Welcome to It's a Good Day Podcast. We are sisters who love to chat and believe that through Jesus, even the tough seasons are good. We want to share the stories of ordinary people and have some laughs along the way. I'm Delight. I'm the older one. I'm August, and I'm the younger one. You never know what will happen on our show, but we hope you will join us as we find the good in every day. So, hey, Og. You're so, good morning. You're so funny. What? Because I move into podcaster mode? Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, just, it's important to put on my podcast voice. You're supposed to make her feel comfortable and not be all weird. <laughs> well, it well it comes, you know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, welcome to It's a Good Day Podcast. I'm Delight. I'm a host of this podcast. And I'm here with, I need to adjust myself so I can see everybody a little bit. I am here with. What? She's saying the fact that she's the host instead of like. I'm here with I'm, my. I'm co-host. one of the co-hosts. There's uh, no host here. There's we're both two only, co-hosts. We're both hosts. I'm host number one. <laughs> She's host number two. August, do you watch The Office? Do you um, watch The Office? I have watched Assistant the Assistant to the regional manager. Oh, yes, I have yeah, seen okay. that part. Mm. Um, anyway. I'm not necessarily proud of watching The Office, but whatever. Okay. It well, is funny. I'm not proud of all the things I watch either, but you know what? The Lord's still working on me. Yep. Okay, yes, I like fine, you can be the host. We're both the host. This is going to go great. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you are hearing the voice of, um, I know, I don't know, like literally one of my favorite people in the world. Yeah, it's fun. She's she's one of the funnest person. Pers- funnest? <laughs> most. Start that she is one of the most fun people probably ever. Like, to be with this person. We're not even going to say who it is. Although they already heard her voice. <laughs> well, they don't know who she is, though. I mean, did they hear her voice? Mm. But here's the thing. It's like she almost single-handedly shaped fun. Maybe that's very... No, fun. Oh. One of my my most favorite people. Also oh, yeah. very high on my list. I, it's hard to decide. Like, Here's the thing. Okay, it's my mother-in-law, Peggy Lego. Yes, and Peggy Lego. And here's the thing. Like, when I was... When I was like <laughs> realizing that I was interested in Jordan, like it was really high on my list how much I liked, I mean, his family in general, but his mother. It was like, you know, one of the really good things he had going for You're him. You're allowed to laugh into the mic. Wait, why is that so funny? keep going (laughs) i mean i it was a really a big benefit because the thing is like i was already friends with his sister and with him and also like friends with his mother and like okay here's the thing this is what i'm always saying when we when i was growing up like my like in-laws like my dad's in-laws my mom's in-laws, my other grandparents didn't live. Where are you going, Og? <laughs> I don't want to drink my coffee out of a travel mug. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Okay. Dad's. <laughs> Just trying to loosen everybody up. Okay. Okay. So dad's parents didn't live nearby. Okay. But mom's parents did. And like, it was just like such, I know that every every family it's not like this but like it was just 
in-laws didn't make really a difference. Like both people were in both families. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And like, for instance, when I was growing up, like I didn't know the difference between my aunts and uncles. Like I didn't really get, I didn't understand was uncle Will mom's brother or was aunt Dawn mom's mom's sister. True. Because like they were all just like my aunts and uncles and they treated them like it wasn't like anyone was an outsider. And again, families are different and I totally respect that that's not how it rolls in every family. But because that's how it did in ours, that's kind of what I was looking for. And so, but that's not how everyone, what everyone finds. But when I did, it was just like so thrilling. Like the fact that I can walk in my in-laws house, the fact that I'm like as comfortable at my in-laws house as I am at my parents is like a pretty big deal to me. Yeah. You know, I feel the same actually, which is interesting about mine. That's so cool. That's awesome. Anyway. And like, yeah, I don't, I feel like I can. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going on and on about this, but I just love it. And I remember when Jordan's dad, Larry, I remember him like deciding, you know what? I'm going to be friends with my father-in-law too. Like, I'm not just gonna have like, yeah, I was already good friends with, Obviously, it's more awkward, like a man, whatever. And I was already really good friends with Peggy. But like, I wasn't, I was like, I'm going to be friends with him too. And so I just was like, I just kind of, when Jordan and I were dating and like first engaged and stuff, I just was like, I just kind of pursued him and being friends with him. And like, and I am, and I'm just as comfortable, like I can hang out. Him and I can just hang out and chat. And mm-hmm. I don't know how he feels about me. And but hold hands while you walk. And <laughs> When we were in Sackett's Harbor and we'd been to Tin Pan Galley or something, I have a picture of the two of you holding hands. <laughs> oh, oh, we must have been goofing about something. You were. It was so cute. Oh, I took my a word. picture of it I'm behind sure, you. I'm sure that he was, um, I'm sure that he wasn't as, you know, in it as I was, but you know. I be making that all up too. <laughs> no, it does sound familiar. No, I know it is. True. Anyway, true. so <clears throat> I just love it. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. I'm thankful for it. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know. It's and I know you don't have this part, Augie, but just like now that I have a child, the fact of having like four grandparents like that live within 20 minutes. Yeah. That love, who love Jesus and are like pouring into like my child's life. I don't know. It's right. big. And like, yes, all my grandparents also love Jesus. That's a huge blessing in my life, but they weren't, they didn't live right there. And it's just cool. Right. Anyway. Yes. Okay. So we can quit talking. I mean, you want to say anything about her? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Peggy is so fun. I enjoy being around her so much. Anytime that I'm with her, we don't see each other that often. And when we do, it's usually like, oh, good to see you. See you later. Mm -hmm, Bye. mm -hmm. We don't just like hang out very often, but we should. Anyway, but she's just a blast and she has so much wisdom. Anytime that I say something to her about my life that's hard or I don't know, like she always... She, it feels like she's been there and I also we have similar husbands and so that's kind of something that's been really interesting for me and I've gleaned from some wisdom that she has given me so it's good Peggy also was on um episode I'm tearing up <laughs> episode six back way long ago last back last May with a couple of our moms I'm sorry for anybody who's still listening back there 
<laughs> hey, go back and listen. It's still, it's a really fun episode. It may be a little <laughs> choppy, but whatever. And then she was also on back in the fall winter on episode 36. <laughs> What's the fall winter? Is that a new season, August? <laughs> I can't remember if it was November or December. So give me a break. <laughs> and like November, December is like in between fall and winter. Okay. It really I'm just is. picking. Cheapers. Anyway. And then her son, Caleb Lego, was on episode 59. So yeah, I just wanted to give those honorable mentions. And her daughter-in-law, Delight Lego, has been on every episode. True, true. <laughs> it's a family thing. True that. But yeah, we've been wanting to interview Peggy, like an actual just interview of just asking her about her life for a while. The so she's time. been on our list at the top for quite a while. So but we finally pinned her down and got her she's here. She's a busy so. lady. She is a busy lady. <laughs> You'll find out why real soon. Whew, yeah. <laughs> anyway, welcome, Peggy. We're glad you're here and we can't wait to, to talk with you. All right. So now, would you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, well, first of all, thank you for that lovely, those lovely kind words. Undeserving, but. Um, and I just want to say um, for you two that um, thank you because both of you have played a huge role in our family's life, um, having been caretakers for two of our boys, which probably come into the conversation here soon but um just for the years literally years and years of help that you two girls brought our family that really was what helped part of what helped us get through Mm -hmm. and i really um just appreciated all that you girls did for our family and your family you even even your more of your family, but mm-hmm. you two particularly spent a lot of time with caretaking for our boys, mm-hmm. and um, we just appreciate that very much. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> yep, I'm I'm married to Larry, as you both said. Um, we have five biological children: um, Monica, Jordan, who delights married to Tyler, Dylan, and Caleb. Um. They're all grown now. Caleb's the youngest. He's still at home. He's going to be 21 this month. Woo! 21. Woo-hoo. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we um, we attend River of Life Fellowship Church and been there since its conception as a Bible study like 30-some years ago. That's um, so cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yep. It started out as a little Bible study and grew into bigger fellowship and then a church and then we built and then we rebuilt so um we've been there for you know the long haul there um so that's kind of just the people that i'm with my little world yep um what is there anybody else that was there at the first at that bible study Mm -hmm. that are still there nope that's what i'm wondering yeah yeah we're the only ones still there that we're at the first Bible study. That's crazy. So cool. That is really cool. And that was how many years? Um, <clears throat> we keep, we've been going over this lately. We think it's about maybe 33 or 30, 33 or 34, something like that. Yeah. Cool. We had the Bible study. Not exactly sure. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a good <clears throat> one. Well, Okay, one thing that is just like interesting a little bit and kind of not typical is just the fact that like 
like you were saying that Caleb is still at home, like, and at 21. And I mean, that's not, it's like not that unusual to have an adult child maybe living at home, but it's different because you don't know if there's an end to that. And because he's not a typical child, it's, it's parenting probably just like it was, like you've been doing kind of the same type of parenting for like 30 years, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> right. And like, it's not like, oh, you have a 21 year old that goes out and does his own thing and then just comes home at midnight or whatever. Right. I right. did. I didn't say that for those who don't know that, that our youngest two children um, have uh, special needs. Right. They have okay. intellectual disabilities. I did forget to say that. Um, <laughs> so that would be where the caretaking came in from, from delight and August both um over the years so yes that's why we still have a 21 year at home a 21 year old at home until we don't know how much longer yeah yeah i don't know if i had a specific question about that but it's just like (laughs) it's yeah it's just a long like a lot of times parenting is not such a long like journey and i'm sure even like now you have grandchildren Mm -hmm. and so you're also like trying to grandparent alongside mm-hmm. like still parenting. And so, yeah, just some of the dynamics that that brings in is kind of, I'm guessing challenging. Yeah. And how, how many grandchildren do you have? We have four beautiful grandchildren, three granddaughters and one grandson, Harrison, <laughs> we have Brooklyn and Faith and Jade. All wonderful. Yeah. And I, it makes me think of even um, when our children were growing up and how we had, we've always had multiple levels of things, Larry and I have, um, <clears throat> because our children were kind of spaced apart. So how old was Monica when Caleb was born? 15? Yeah, I think. 84 to 99, right? Yes. So was she? 15? Yes. Why can't I yes, do that? Yes, 15. Mm-hmm. Okay. So <clears throat> we always joked that we had like I'll a... I'll be the math. We had today. like a high schooler and then like a junior higher and then, <laughs> you know, an elementary and then we had toddler. You know, like we had always had all these stages. Right. Um, wow. Different than people who like had them every year yeah, and then yeah, they're like kind of all or, moving together. Yeah. Right. Um, and also then, of course, the two younger boys having special needs. That was... They were kind of their levels were always lower. So we, even though they were getting, so even in that we had different levels, like mm-hmm. they were chronological age was one, but their, you know, their, um, mental or like ability academic or... age or whatever would was less. So that was even in itself multi-layered. Uh-huh. And, and then again, um, most people or a lot of people would have like an empty nest and then end up taking care of their parents. Well then, you know, we ended up being kind of caretakers of my parents before each of them before they passed away. So we had going on, we had, you know, uh, a young person at home, we had parents to take care of, and we were becoming grandparents, kind of like all of these levels going on. Wow. A lot of times at the same time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even still, you know, we're in the grandparenting stage still, and yet we still have one at home. And, it just all these multi levels all the time we've had for a long time. Right. So that's why it's challenging. <laughs> yeah. 
It's interesting. So. Like, you don't think about it. I'm sure Delight thinks about it way more than I do. And I do think about it a little bit. But, yeah, it's just, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And even having a 21-year-old at home is different when they have an intellectual disability because it's sort of, you sort of get stuck in a younger child mode. Right. Yet their age is an adult age. Right. It It's, there's a little, it's always conflicting. <laughs> um yeah, and I, I'm a kind of the kind of person that kind of has trouble with decision making and and that kind of thing. And I think it's because there's there's just always so many facets to everything for so many years. I am always I think I'm always considering all the facets of things um, in every situation. So right, there's so many var- variables and yes, options yes. and like yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, even just having Caleb at home like. Like he might have the mind of a certain age, but yet his body is doing mm-hmm. all of the things that like a normal mm-hmm. teenager does or mm-hmm. like, right. Know, we right. Should. He looks like a man. Right. I mean, he's yeah. this, you know, he's yeah. like, he's like the size of a man. Well, even how, even how he gets treated by people that are like, people aren't necessarily like he's high functioning is a, a term maybe you could use. And he, so people are like also even outside people are caught between treating him like he's taller than you are like he's fully grown mm-hmm. and so that's what people see and they don't necessarily understand maybe that he doesn't really understand safety so in their mind like well why don't you let him stay home alone or why can't he just go for a walk around the neighborhood well you know like that would not be an option but like even dealing with how outside people view him and even like how even outside people's opinions well like well, why is it so hard can't you just mm-hmm. such and such but can't you just let him be in his room all day or no that's not not really an option and so i'm sure that that even is kind of taxing mm-hmm. just a, even on your mind besides yeah. besides mm-hmm. like the physical work right. of parenting it's a lot of mental mm-hmm. a lot of mental work yeah yeah Exertion. right is that kind of what you're Exertion. saying like yeah. Mm-hmm. And I had I had read something this morning um, when I was looking up a verse. There was a little devotion that went with it and talking about um, spiritual and mental and emotional exertion. Mm. And I thought, that's a good way to describe. Yeah. You know, um, especially even having two children with special needs at home through the years. Um, and we we're talking a little bit about Kayla, but Dylan was, you know, way harder even um, because he had behavior issues for those listening that don't know, but he had um, what turned into really extreme behavior issues. Um, And so there was there, when I read that this morning, like, yes, there was spiritual, mental and emotional exertion in your, you know, all the time. Um, And you're like, we're always having to adjust even myself, even now you'd think I would know, but even now I'm, I have to adjust my expectations even of of Caleb, even now, like remembering about right. safety and things like that. That mm-hmm. okay, you know, it is different. You know, sometimes when the boys were growing up, people would try to like they're trying to connect, and they would say, "Oh yeah, my my son did that too, or my son went through that too, or whatever." And I'm thinking, well, 
Yeah, but he didn't go down. He didn't go through that for like you know decades. You know, like right. I know people, and I it never minded because I always knew people were just trying to you know, yeah, connect with their hearts, and I love that. Um, but I I thought a lot of times, no, that you you know you <laughs> this is not the same. You know, right. right? As much as people wanted to try to say it was the same with their kids, it, it wasn't right. the They're same. They're trying to help you make you feel better that that you're not the only one. Yeah, yeah, and I didn't I didn't mind that, but. I'm like, it's not the same. Um, yeah. Because mine is going to last for years and years and years and yeah. years. What mine, whatever it was that you're going right. through. Right. Um, where at least some, you know, most moms, the kids are going to grow out of that stage or, yes. you right. know, pretty quickly. Right. You know, so. Yeah. That made it a little different. Mm-hmm. Do you have any thoughts on like what you're saying about as far as like people doing that like trying like I think we all do that like we all try to like associate and like understand Mm -hmm. each other and like we're usually to care for someone else like I think we all do that and I definitely like have places in my life that people also have done that and again like I do I understand what they're doing but at the same time it's like such a natural thing to do Mm -hmm. yeah like at the same time it's kind of it is still sometimes it has hurt me like if like when I was wanting to adopt and people would um maybe talk about like adopting an animal or whatever and I would be like okay and try to just you know try to just be like okay great but to me I'm like okay that doesn't quite feel the same like I get animals are important and all of that but anyway Mm -hmm. so I'm just wondering if you have any thoughts on like how do we how do we ourselves work on like not doing that or how what's a way to like have those conversations without kind of not thinking about actually where the person's at or does that make sense like yeah and I and I would say first of all I want to say I do that connecting thing all the time I'm I do it all the time trying to think how I connect with what the person yes. I do I it all, like being a I mean like I want to connect with everything that people say yes. like I want to stick oh yeah you know I've had that like oh I remember a time you know like yeah, yes. because I'm trying to make that heart connection like I want right. to be right in there with you yeah so I'm I do it myself all the time so um a couple things that come to mind is one I think it's good to be aware of what we are saying to people to to be thoughtful like especially if somebody's talking about a hardship, mm-hmm. something that yeah. you can see is hard for them to be careful, not to necessarily um, downplay. Yeah. Or, or to, th- or, yeah. Or to I'm think sorry. that, oh, oh, I have that too. Like to concentrate more on them and mm-hmm. not on me. Yeah, that's good. To concentrate on their hardship or maybe ask questions or right. something that's like really... that. Um, you know, who's good at that is your grandmother. Your grandmother is a question asker. And that's one thing I've learned from her that I really like. She asks other people questions. I hardly ever think of her telling her her own story. And I know she has them. Right. But she'll just, you know, concentrate. The second thing is that when it's done to you, and I've tried to do this, especially over the years of all that kind of stuff, is to keep in mind on the um, on the end of receiving those kinds of comments to give that person some grace and realize that yeah. is what they're trying to do. You right. know how um, we, I've had friends, conversation with friends about 
the wrong things that people say at funerals even mm-hmm. and that there should be a you know um uh, uh, funeral book for dummies or whatever you <laughs> yeah, know like what not to say. funeral etiquette or whatever mm-hmm. um and so um because i have friends that have had just crazy things said to them at funerals and lost their husbands and things like that but um I tried to see the heart behind it, even though it was like, okay, you have no idea, <laughs> you know? Okay, no, it's, you know, yeah, your kid maybe was late, you know, walking, mine isn't going to walk to their tanner, you know, like, it's right. not the same. That didn't happen to me, but, um, so just to keep in mind that people's hearts, they are trying to do that connecting, yeah. but on my part, I want to be more careful, especially when somebody's going yeah. through a hard time, but also yeah. you can learn from that. I think that when you've had that done to you, then you're more mindful of yeah. it when you're talking with someone else. Definitely. Totally. And I think that that's like everything as we're supposed to use to learn and to grow and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that though. The thought, like the asking questions, like instead of like to turn it back around and kind of mm-hmm. like for me to think, okay, how can I not do that? Because I think that is the tendency because you're just, trying to trying to connect or whatever but to to then ask more questions like and I think sometimes we we can also kind of be n- nervous that we're like asking too much or something right but yeah. I think that I I've found that like actually people want to like you know when someone's mm-hmm. just putting up a wall and they don't want to talk about it right you can you, can you know say, yeah totally. but like a lot of times maybe people do want to talk and giving them kind of space to do that is valuable. I think that's cool. Yeah. 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 Or even reiterate what they're saying, like, Oh, that Mm. must be hard or, you know, kind of dwell a little bit on what they're, what they are feeling and what they're going through. Like mourn with those who mourn. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like be where they are, like be excited when they're excited and be a little bit sad with them when they're a little bit sad. Really good. August. Mm -hmm. Yep. Will you just go back and tell us a little bit about your just relationship with the Lord and how you found him and what that looks like today? Mm-hmm. Um, I did not grow up in a um, faith-based home. <laughs> um, my parents weren't, weren't believers. At least I didn't, I don't think that they were. I don't know if my mom would have said differently, but um, we didn't, you know, we didn't go to church and there wasn't whatever. Um, you get the idea. But I did start hanging out with my cousin, Diane, at a very young age. Um, Mm -hmm. she got married when I was 10. So I was hanging out with her before then even. Um, but she definitely shared Jesus with me. She lived it. She talked it. She walked it. It's amazing. And was a probably the single greatest influence on my life for this reason, you know, salvation wise. Um, and she would take me to church with her, um, and even got me involved in the youth a little bit at her church. It was the Nazarene church in here in Laval. Um, and through all that, just different things, um, I gave my life to the Lord. Um, I think I was 16. And I, you know, I got baptized. She took me the day I went baptized. I had no other family with me, you know, but she took me and um, Mm -hmm. they had a little baptism day and I went and gave my heart to the Lord publicly um, and been walking with him since then. That's awesome. So 
That's how it started. Okay, I have a question. In that in that time, like did you did you notice the change? Like in in what ways did you notice the change? In myself, like yeah. the Lord did. Yeah. Oh yes. Um, first of all, it was kind of neat how you wonder how the Lord is calling you even previously to when you actually give your heart to him. Because I remembered being very young um, and being at home in my house and wishing, because I felt misunderstood a lot because of my personality. Mm. I've always wished I had a different personality. Not now, but most of my life, I had wished I had a different personality. Mm -hmm. I wished I wasn't outgoing. I wished I wasn't talkative. I wished I could be more quiet, more refined and all those things. Mm -hmm. And I felt misunderstood a lot when I was a little girl. And I remembered one time thinking, I just wish there was somebody who knew my whole life, Mm. who, who could see what I'm going through and who really understood me. Like Mm. I clearly remember thinking that when I was a young girl. Wow. So to know that there really was someone that knew all that is just, yeah, incredible. Yeah. And it was like he was stirring that in me, that hunger for him mm-hmm. when I was little. Wow. Um, so, yes, definitely a lot changed when I became a believer, when I got saved. Um, I was on a path to trying to be like a partier and be with those who did and trying to be the cool girl and, and that kind of thing. But once I committed my life to the Lord, I, I totally changed. I, um, I had done, you know, dabbled in some things and, um, I didn't anymore. Like I, I wasn't going, I didn't want to go to parties. I didn't want to party anymore. I didn't want to, I still wanted to be friends with those people because I still loved them, but I couldn't do what they were doing. Yeah. So definitely my life changed. Yeah. Um, and of course I started going to church and I was reading my Bible and, the music changed, like everything changed. Yeah. The music in me changed, what I listened to, the, what I watched. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents definitely knew the change. Yeah. And was it like you, was, was somebody saying, don't watch these things now, don't listen to this? Or was it just like, ooh, that's not no, no appealing? But, no, I, no, it was the Holy Spirit and, and the change the supernatural change yeah. in me, the, the refining of the mm-hmm. Lord. And, um, no, in fact, because my parents weren't believers, they still, they were kind of party people on the weekends and mm-hmm. stuff. My parents were really fun and, you know, had parties and parties and they were outgoing and they went out on the weekends and things like that. And, and I was getting older. I got saved when I was like late teens, 16, 17. So by this time they're kind of looking forward to me like even when I turned 18 they still even though I was a Christian and they knew it they kind of were wanted to take me out for my first drink and everything and I'm was that the age back then yeah it was 18 and I didn't want to (laughs) go I didn't want to go and that was like okay it was it was a little bit weird because I was trying to be morally walk with the Lord in the right way and you it was just weird yeah um it was just a weird thing. <laughs> like for you to be, to have like a m- higher moral standard than your parents. Is that what you're saying? Yes. It was weird. Yeah. I had to even say that, but yeah. that is what it was. And that's okay. I mean, you know, yeah. my parents in the end became believers, you know, before they passed away and things, they definitely did. Um, but back then, yes, that is true. And 
I think it even made them feel, you know how you, somebody can feel um, like you're trying to be self-righteous even right. when you're just trying to do what's right. Like I wasn't trying to be, I didn't talk to them about it. I didn't, I didn't like try to rub it in their face or anything mm-hmm. like that. But I think it was just, they didn't understand. Yeah. What you was were happening. just making different choices. Different choices. And- yeah. Um, so my friends changed, you know, a lot of things changed yeah. for sure. That's cool. Yes. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I think the Lord has led me on a path of depending on him and a lot of perseverance. Mm-hmm. And I have a little story that I tell when I tell my, like, I've written out a story that I went with Diane, my cousin Diane, strawberry mm-hmm. picking one time. And her and I and her sister went and her, she was, Diane was very pregnant and I was young. I was in my lower teens. I hadn't, you know, whatever. I was younger then at the time. But anyway, her sister was an adult too. And we just were like whining and like, oh, are we almost, are we almost done? And like, I hardly could pick a bucket. And Diane is picking buckets and buckets and buckets. And she's like very pregnant. Like both her children were born in like one in July, one in August. So I don't know which one it was, but I mean, she's just, and, and we're both like whining and, uh, you know, are we almost done and it's hot and I'm tired, I'm thirsty and that kind of thing. So I didn't have a lot of stamina. I didn't mm-hmm. have a lot of strength, a lot of, you know, a backbone through, you know, adversity of any kind. And she <laughs> Even strawberry picking. <laughs> strawberry picking. So Diane tells me that, you know, I've come a long way from my strawberry picking days. Okay. We joke about it a lot because... Um, I feel like the Lord has taken me through a journey over so many years of uh, strengthening who I am in him and who he is to me, mm-hmm. my dependence on him, um, and to be able to persevere through adversities. That's mm-hmm. sort of my, I would say, sort of the big um, theme of my life yeah. is perse- or persevering through adversities. So when I first got married, uh, there was somebody in our Bible study who actually lost a daughter to cancer. Mm. And I remember thinking, wow, I have not had any kind of hardship in my life. I really haven't had hardship because I was newly married. And well, thus, after then after that, you know, things started to, you know, I've had lots of different things, whether it was, you know, miscarriages and early children born early and um, you know, financial things. And so it just kept, you know, getting whatever, which led me to when we had our two special needs boys, which really started on a journey of harder things. Um, and one of the verses that I, I used to put up on my cupboard during the hard years with our, our son, Dylan was, uh, I think it's Jeremiah twelve five, And it says something along the lines of, um, if you can't run with the footman, how will you? Oh, I can't think what it is now. Um, I can look it up. Yeah, would you? It's. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I have it right here. I can look it up too. Okay. Anyways, it says. Here it is, Jeremiah twelve five. Go read it. This was quite a verse for me, and I just left it on my cupboard probably for years, and I would go to the cupboard and read it often this might be a different version than what i used to have but um if you've raced with the runners but it used it says the footmen 
and they have worn you out, how can you compete with the horses? And I remember reading that and thinking, wow, if I can't, now this was specifically for Jeremiah that the Lord was saying to him, he was being persecuted. Look, if you can't take some of this adversity, like how are you going to do when there's more adversity, you know, when it's harder things. And so I would, I would go to my cupboard and read that verse and read it and read it, read it. Okay. Like these things are, are preparing me for whatever the Lord is strengthening me through these things. Yeah. Um, It's amazing. And so you even knew that. Yeah. I would just, I, I went to that scripture a lot. And then there was a verse that also says, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. And so those two verses kind of tied together. And I knew the Lord was wanting to strengthen me so that I could get through adversity. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing that I saw. I saw that when people would have adversity, sometimes it would fall away. Hard things would come mm-hmm. and people would fall away. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the Lord had me on this path to... um gradually, you know, through the littler things and the harder things, the harder things Mm -hmm. to get an idea of who he was, regardless of the circumstance. And this is a big, huge thing for me too, is knowing that God is good, Mm -hmm. even through the hard things. Yeah. And that's, that's my uh, Christmas, Christmas card story. (laughs) (laughs) Call that my Christmas card story. What is that? Well, you know, no offense to anybody who sends out Christmas letters. They're great. But when you're going through really hard, hard things, like we went through just literally decades, at least one solid decade of very, very hard times with our son. And we would get these Christmas card letters. And that's okay. But one year, particularly, one came that was worded. It's, it was the wording of it that bothered me within the first couple sentences. Because what they said was, basically, this is my words, God is good because here are all the great things that have happened to us this year. Mm -hmm. And I just was taken aback. And I thought to myself, well, isn't, isn't God good? Like my circumstances are hard every day. I can hardly get through a day. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have journals when, when Dylan was like 12, that's, I went back and read that said, I can't make it through another day, Lord. I don't, I don't think I can get through another day. Yeah. And he was with us till he was 17 and he moved into a home and he's doing great and he has been thriving. He's fine. But those years were hard. And so even back then I was saying that. Um, So I would look at that Christmas letter and we'd get him every year, but this one, just the wording of it equated that God was good because these great things happened to all of our kids. Mm-hmm. You know, they won the violin contest and they, we, you know, remodeled our house and we bought a pool and we went on vacation. And I'm like, okay, well, we're over here just trying to live and breathe and get through each day. Right. <laughs> Isn't God still good? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So it's like the whole premise of our podcast. I mean, that's our heart is saying, like, hey, like we can trust him and he's faithful even when there are hard times like being him being good is not dependent on what we see that's right you know in front of us okay would you mind sharing just a little bit like what did a day look like for you when it was so hard because I feel like people have no idea what what it was like Mm -hmm. like just just run us through a typical 12 year old Dylan day or something 
if you if you want yeah. if you feel comfortable mm. to do that um whew. it would okay so it would start in the morning um when he got up he eventually he went to school i tried to homeschool him we actually sent our older kids to a private school so that i could homeschool dylan because i thought maybe the one-on-one would help him but it didn't really it wasn't it just wasn't good so eventually we started moving into him going to school for an hour a day they do some pt or you know physical therapy speech with him and then they bring him back and then it got so he'd go there more and more eventually he was in school all day at copenhagen and they were great with him so in the morning though um there would be before school struggles, you know, getting up, get dressed. Well, maybe he doesn't want to. He might, he was very, a lot of, a lot of people would say, um, Dylan has Down syndrome. I don't think I actually said that. Yeah. So Dylan has Down syndrome. And there are many people who would say sometimes they have stubborn streaks or whatever. People with Down syndrome or young kids with Down syndrome, sometimes they'll be a little stubborn. But um, it was beyond that. Like he would, wouldn't want to, and then maybe he'd have a meltdown or he'd, you know, might throw his lunchbox or whatever. Um, so getting him ready for school and get him on the bus off to school would be a chore. Um, then, so he'd be gone all day. And I'll tell you what, um, how that affected me in a minute. But by noon or one o'clock, okay, then in my mind, I know he's coming back. Like, okay, I've got a couple hours till he comes home. So then he would come home. And literally, I have just pages and pages and pages of journaling of all the things that I can't even tell you the things that he would do. But like, um, you might be sitting at the table and he might take his glass of juice and just all of a sudden pick it up and then dump it on your lap. Um, or he might dump his plate of spaghetti on your lap. He might not want to come to the table and then start a meltdown. And then mealtimes were very hard. Mm-hmm. Many, 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 mm-hmm. many times. He was either having a meltdown, he didn't want to come to the table, or when he'd get to the table, he was doing all kinds of shenanigans, you know, and making kind of making everybody's life at the table not very fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but he would do a lot of mischievous things. Like one time I went downstairs to change out the washer dryer thing, I think, and I was gone. I always did everything quickly because mm-hmm. I didn't want him to be left right, alone. Right, because your laundry is in your basement. Yes. So I would go downstairs and do my laundry, come back up as quickly as I could. And this is literally what happened. He had gotten a Sharpie marker and he marked in like 30 places with a Sharpie marker. Like I have, I had white pantry cupboards from floor to ceiling they were all they were marked up they were all around like he it was as if he got the marker as soon as he went down the stairs ran around and just started slashing strokes every in different rooms it just he would do that now let me tell you that when i got upstairs he was sitting watching tv or something he didn't have a marker with him and i found it it was hidden behind i think it was behind a curtain so it wasn't like he'd he didn't know, like, right. he, he was, knew. Oh, right. He a was lot smart. of people would say to us, Well, do you think that maybe he just doesn't know? Well, when you find a marker and he's back sitting down and it's hidden and he's marked like in 30 some places, and he's like, acting like nothing happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and not only that, my brother came one time. My brother lived, actually, lived with us for a little bit and he was sitting in the dining room table. He'd sit there a lot when he was on his computer. And our dining room and living room are open. So he could see Dylan in the living room. But sometimes I think Dylan would forget that my brother was sitting there because he was very quiet and he maybe was sitting there a long time. And <laughs> he would tell me the things that as soon as I'd walk out of the room, Dylan would do something. 
Like he would just go do something. Okay, and you forget that Randy was sitting there watching. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, he did things like he put all the crayons down the register. He would he poured a, a glass of juice one time in a box of family pictures. They were in there loose. And he just poured like apple juice in the box. Um, he, he broke things. want all the lights off. Oh, yeah. He would insist on whatever you would want. Uh, and I will give you an example of kind of what he would do. He could set the table from a very young age. He knows exactly how to set plates, forks, cups on the table. So one day I said, you know, Dylan, could you go set the table? You know, go put the plates on the table, right? Go set the table. And I probably said it just like that. I went out there because I had said the word plates. He had forks, knives, and glasses on everybody's place at the table. But no plates. No plates. Like I said it in such a way that he knew I wanted him to set the table, and he'd done it many times. And because I said to put the plates on, he did everything but the plates. And this is just like this is just how his mind worked, like twenty four seven. Yeah. So by the time he was coming home, I was yeah. getting, I was getting stressed because I knew, and there would just it was just always um, going against whatever we wanted. If we wanted the door open, he'd shut the door. If we wanted the door shut, he'd open the door. Yeah. Sounds like a two year old. Yeah. Right. Right. For years and years. Yeah. And yeah. Years. For years. Right. Right. Stuck, right. Like stuck there. Yeah. Right. You know, now he's preteen and teen and, you know. Right. Right. Um, right. Right. So it, it just went on that way. And I have to tell you, one time I went to a Christian psychologist for just six months. And the first time that I went to him, and by this time, I'm, I'm really a wreck. And I went to him the first time he gave me a little relaxation tape, nothing, nothing weird, just for breathing. He said, I want you to go home for this week. I want you to do this every day. And every time I would do it, I would lay on my couch and I would be slowing my breathing down and being intentional about breathing. And I kept falling asleep. And when I went back to him a week later, I go, I don't know how I'm going to do this thing. I go, I keep falling asleep. He said, you know why you're doing that, falling asleep? And I said, no. He said, because it's the only time that your body relaxes anymore is when you're sleeping so as soon as you start to slow your breathing down, your body thinks it's time to go to sleep. Hmm. Yeah. And that was so, such an eye opener to me as to how much, how stressed I lived. Yeah. Yes. And so it would, it got, so it was a cycle. Bedtime was hard. Um, I'd go to bed kind of dreading when he got up because he'd have to get ready for school. And he, and the psychologist said, by the time lunchtime comes, you're already Anticipating. Getting, anticipating him coming home so that time is all stress because you're like he's coming home yep. and then when he come home then I was dealing we were dealing with the behaviors for right. the whole evening and then thinking of bedtime and it's just a cycle all yeah, the time right. all, all the time and then in the morning if you got up before he did or anything yeah. I, it's just all this anticipation of the things you had to be thinking ahead we had, we had gates in our house we had locks in our house we had just all for all those years there were right. locks and gates everywhere yes. and alarms. little alarms alarms on his door alarms on his gates and the everywhere yes. and, and so we just lived in this hyped up adrenaline place all yeah. the time right so yeah. so borrowing a question from annie f downs she often asks what do you know about god because of that those parts of your life of having to persevere and you know that I don't know not having a child with 
a developmental disability? Well, one thing that was ingrained in my mind was that he was with me. Mm-hmm. It seems so obvious. And I know we know it. We read it. We yeah. believe it. We believe what the Bible says. But I had to live it. Mm-hmm. And I think that I had gotten to a point at one point where I don't I don't believe consciously that I maybe I did. I often used to just lay in my bed curled up in a fetal position and just cry and cry. And and so a couple things that I believe was that God was working on my theology and about who he was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And one of them, one of the theology things that I felt like the Lord wanted me to work through was this thing about him being good. So that was one about him being good, even though my circumstances were so hard. I had to really deal with that. I had to wrestle with that. And I knew in my heart, like, Lord, I know that you're good. But somehow, somehow I remember thinking one time that he was looking down on me and could see my struggle. And yet he wasn't, it didn't seem like he was helping me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't understand that. Like, how can you look down and see the trauma that I'm going through and not be helping me? Like, I'm drowning. Save me. <laughs> Yes. And I wrestled through that many, many days. And yet in my heart of hearts, I knew he really was helping me. Like there was a deep, deep sense in me, like I am helping you. But at one point, I wasn't asking him this question at all. I was in church one time. And this was very significant for me. I don't claim to hear the voice of the Lord, you know, a lot of times or especially I've never heard an audible voice or anything like that. <clears throat> but one Sunday I was in church and I had not been asking the Lord at this time, like, show me something, tell me something. I was just trying to get through the days and I was playing on the worship team. I was playing the congas. We were in the middle of a song and it was as if I don't know how to explain it except for like it, if if my if my mind could split open and God like came down in my mind and said, "Hey, um, it, God said to me, I'm not I'm not distant as you think I am. Mm-hmm. I I am right here with you in it. And literally, almost every time I say this, I I have to put my hands down as if I'm I'm down in water or I'm I'm down in it with you. Because that's how I felt. Like He was saying, "Look, I am right here." in it with you. Mm -hmm. I'm not disconnected from you. I'm not up there and you're down here and I'm looking down. I am in this with you. Mm -hmm. And I just couldn't, I, I couldn't hardly even breathe. I, I didn't ask for that. Like it, it, it came to me. He came to me. Yeah. And it was so interesting because I needed to hear that. And I needed, and I, it made me realize he was causing me to realize the perspective that I had grown to have Mm -hmm. as if he was away and watching me and I'm here and he changed my perspective. And when I got down to my seat, nobody knew this happened. I went and sat down and the pastor got up at the time and he said, do you ever just get something from the Lord? And it's just like spoken right to you. And so I mean, he never wow. said stuff like that. And he said that. And it was as if the Lord is saying, 
I That's want me. you to know mm. that you know that I know that I just spoke to you. Yeah. It, don't go down the road and think, well, is that my own thoughts? Mm-hmm. It was very clear. It was very distinct. And it was very life changing. Mm-hmm. So that helped change my perspective. Okay. I, I know that's what the word says, but I need to, I know now in my down deep, he's with me here. Get me through each day. He's getting me through each day. Yeah. He's giving me the grace I need. Yeah. Through each day. Um, and then within a couple weeks, I had a similar experience. And again, I was not asking God to speak to me. I wasn't. I was playing the congas again. I was in the middle of worship and I'm playing a song and all of a sudden it's like the Lord said to me, what if this is not about you? What if this is so that your life can inc- affect others' lives by what you're going through and that you'll still persevere? Wow. And so those two things really radically helped me mm-hmm. <laughs> my perspective so who was he to me he was close to me he was intimate he was with me he was listening he was he saw me yeah and many many things like and there were times that I would cry out desperately for an answer I would say Lord I need an answer today like I don't know what to do and then and then all of a sudden like an an idea would come to my head that would help us yeah that happened many times many times so just the fact that you know where does the help come from our help comes from the lord you know that was yeah an incredible journey for me to know that yeah whoo this is good i like your whoo that's always your like okay i gotta think about this for a little podcasts are always for me more than anybody (laughs) oh that's great yeah so good yeah hello not that i was surprised at all but we just didn't have enough time to fit everything we wanted to hear peggy say into one episode so tune in next week when we will continue our time with her thanks so much for being here have a great day